Gabby. <laughs> speaking into this uh, beautiful sort of uh, charcoal silver microphone, a real microphone with a stand. It is a <laughs> real mic. It's a real cord. Yeah. A we little have, lights on. <laughs> we have something to confess, which we had before, but our, what are our first... <laughs> first like 20 episodes maybe we're recording into our phones yeah like voice memo yes and i know some of you probably really understand sound you're like duh bitches i knew yeah i was the one begging for you to change that <laughs> um but i didn't want to reveal it because i didn't want that illusion to be exposed mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah we are very we've been very lo-fi um, yeah but the good news is is that if you want to start a podcast i get that question every once in a while they're like how did you get started um you know if you want to start in a very demo-like way yeah. <laughs> you can get your phone voice memos but this was our evolving right we had the phone fo- phone uh first voice we had memos. just phone and yeah. voice memos so straight into the phone mic yeah and we would just like pass the like bottom of the phone around and then james's boyfriend for christmas last year got us these like microphones you plug into your phone which were amazing yeah so sweet i highly recommend them when we got them when he gave them to us i thought they were like fun toys yeah they're like 150 dollars. yeah no they were probably more expensive than this mic because yeah. the technology had to be like up to par yeah those are great i really like those and i highly recommend for anyone they're just sure to interview your friends yeah they're sure phone mics yeah s-h-u-r-e yeah and the only phone mic i saw because i thought mine was broken but it was actually my phone so i did a bunch of research to find another one that was cheaper and that was like the only one <laughs> yeah he's, he's big on research Research yeah. and development. Um, so so yeah. We had, yeah, we had phone mics, which were good. They were good. They really changed things for a second. They and then did. we did computer a couple times. Yeah, <laughs> and then also we had our Skype moment when somebody lived in another state. <laughs> Who was that? <laughs> it was our third member that we cut out. <laughs> we really potted every week. That was good. Yeah. Or almost every two weeks or something. Every t- Yeah, every something. <laughs> it wasn't the same at all. No, it was so tricky with the internet, too. Yeah, my internet was bad out there, even when yeah. it was good. Even Chris's internet wasn't great, mm-hmm. even though he paid the highest amount that you possibly mm-hmm. could, but Spectrum is just a bad... It's a bad man. I know, a um, lot of these. It's a bad man. <laughs> it doesn't care at all. Um, but now we have internet um, Fios, which is which is pretty wild. AT&T. Yeah. Even though AT&T scammed me. You guys, I got sca- I literally got scammed by a man who came into my home as a, as a salesman and signed me up for three phone lines instead of one. And I did not know for many months because I thought that I was part of, like, Chris's internet package. And I thought that I was just getting charged for our whole internet package, so I kept Benmore requesting Chris. And so the guy just kind of, like, put you into a plan that you didn't understand. He, yeah, he made, me, he made me into a plan mm-hmm. with... As if I was a family plan. Mm. Um, he was like, this is a household. He met Joey, and he was he like, met Joey to dignify and he was this like, household. I can make this work. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so this is a lesson. Don't be like me, and, you know, I guess check things more often. Yeah. Don't be so trusting. Chris was like, to be honest, I was pretty cynical when you told me that, that story, and I didn't want to ruin your, your like, day. And, <laughs> and I was like, no, you probably should have told me that <laughs> I was being a dumb bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think there is something I've definitely learned is just kind of the way to be, like, like polite and dominant in, like, those situations. Yeah. You know, because I think it's so easy to just be like, oh, cable guy's here, do your thing, I'll be in the room. You yeah. Know? But then there is stuff. There is yeah. agendas. Yeah. Polite and assertive. 
polite and assertive. Yeah, I think I was just too polite because they were like on the deck, and I was like, "Yes, sir," <laughs> and I'll take the plan. It's a very vulnerable situation. It was very vulnerable. I actually, I did say no multiple times. And then he was like, "How about forty nine dollars a month?" So what do you pay now? It's up in the air. They charge me again for one hundred and thirty. I need to call them before the seventh. Yeah, that's a lot. It's totally a lot, and. Um, I feel like good internet should be 60 or less. I mean, it wasn't even for internet. They're just my, oh, just yeah, they my phone. I don't know what the internet is even because mm-hmm. I've never been let in. <laughs> I wonder what all those things are going to look like in 10 years because it's like people are less and less, less having phone lines at home yeah. and cable. I'm just like, what is the average household going to be like? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like companies are going to fall those, away. Where are those shows going to go? I'm going to close this door. It's like a VHS tape. Yeah, totally. My mom's talking on the phone to my sister in the other room. <laughs> Good call. Um, Joey! She's okay? Okay. Oh. <laughs> Joey's in my mom's lap. Hi, Bella. <laughs> okay, Hi. guys, come on. Well, sorry, <laughs> I'm recording, I'm sorry. <laughs> Everyone's just hanging out there. Um, <laughs> I was about to get lifted to a FaceTime. <laughs> I know, I heard Bella do her, like, welcoming voice, and I was like, okay, guys. (laughs) Um, Okay, so today we want to talk about just the title artist, the concept of artistry, Mm -hmm. because I feel like, you know, we're in a time where everyone is an artist in some capacity because of social media. Totally. Everyone is a a content creator, Mm -hmm. at at the very least. Yeah, and is there, you know, a difference between those things? Okay, so off top, just, like, generally... When someone yeah. says, I am an artist, or you are an artist. Yeah. What does that title mean to you? You know, it can mean, it feels like it means a spectrum of things, because, again, with, with social media, you can see someone's Instagram bio, and it just, mm-hmm. it, like, gives you the option to name yourself as an artist. Mm-hmm. And when you're <laughs> signing up for a business account, which I think is so meta. Um, and so it kind of is just, like, I don't really believe anyone until I see their work Mm -hmm. um because it really artist and our title of an artist is someone who I think you need to really prove it through action rather than words Mm -hmm. um and I think actually I think you said this to me like you should never call yourself an artist someone has to name you as an artist Mm -hmm. because that like and then what is an artist like we are all artists of our own lives and you can view your life as a work of art which I think is which has helpful Mm -hmm. um it gives some sort of meaning to it but yeah it's I think artists are people who I I can see that they are creating something and like putting in the time and have the routines Mm -hmm. to back it up or have like the the history they're in practice they're in practice mm-hmm. yeah um they're in th- and they it's it's more than just thought like mm-hmm. as much because i've been guilty of that too of being like i'm this i'm this and it's like well you know not show me the money but like show me mm-hmm. the show me the the tangible creation of that mm-hmm. um there's a lot of people that can spin their wheels and think about like how they're going to write the next you know great american novel mm-hmm. and it's so sort of like I don't know. It's a it's a tricky thing, but um, I think a true artist is someone who you can really see it, and there's something that it it their work exists outside of themselves. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. It's funny that you say that someone has to name you an artist because I forgot that I mm-hmm. forgot saying that, but that definitely was a thing that happened, and I remember 
the first I was like in high school and my boyfriend at the time his mom was this Serbian woman who painted Mm -hmm. and she painted in a very classic way I mean she was like what 70 at the time and she was reading this book on Van Gogh like a biography autobiography something and she was saying that there was a big part of the book about defining an artist and it said Van Gogh would always say he was a painter Mm. and never an artist and that made me have that mentality of like being an artist implies this kind of greater involvement or this greater skill and if I'm just painting for sport <laughs> yeah I'm just a painter and I said that for very long and I was very adamant about doing that yeah um you know even into my early 20s too like uber rides and stuff people being like what do you do I'd be like I am a painter and it was yeah. like a very specific thing I have and then it wasn't until later where I felt like I was given permission to take the title and it's mm-hmm. funny I just don't remember this I haven't been thinking about, about that that, <laughs> it, that haunts me really yeah I think about it all the time because I it's funny because I feel like I have a different perspective now, but that could be coming from a place of wanting to maybe free up the title. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's funny that I started there. Yeah. Being an artist. I think I feel like there definitely is a journey in kind of comparing the craft to the title of an artist because, once again, the t- artist implies more. It implies more of like a cultural cultural presence yeah a conversation that you're having with the culture and I think something I really appreciated that was said in my favorite like contemporary art course when I was in community college (laughs) uh, the teacher would always say like everyone is an artist yeah and I think we can all agree on that like internally yes we are all artists because to be an artist there's just different definitions of artists absolutely yeah um but to be a practicing artist is very different and I think your definition is very much a practicing artist yeah like somebody who and the difference between you know there's an artist that stays home <laughs> oh my god means um you know it's like you can do a bunch of drawings and do a bunch of stuff for yourself but until you cross that threshold into sharing your work with the world you know up for interpretation up for conversation up to also contributing to like the cultural like if you make something and put it into the world, it's now part of the like evolving of, of work. You Correct. know, someone's going to yeah. get influenced by you, you're influenced by somebody, and then you participate in movements, whether it's on a small scale in your community or sort of these bigger metropolitan movements that we see all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a whole different thing. Like, part of kind of, like, the group thought or, like, the mm-hmm. art people. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, um, Because whether or not people want to admit it, um, there are trends within the art world. Oh, so hard. <laughs> and it's, it's really interesting to see as someone who is totally an observer in many ways of that. But, like, okay, now I guess we're just doing these flat paintings, or now we're doing, like, impressionistic photos of, or paintings of people on the beach, <laughs> and, like, it's just colors and vibes, you know? Yeah. Um, watching that all happen. But I do want to present sort of a more spiritual perspective, which I think is how I've been approaching it now. Um, and I did write this down, so I'm just going to read from what I wrote. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but being an artist is simply awareness plus intentional medium to prove, actualize this awareness, this shift in awareness. And I said it's like the quantum physics thing. So there's this, <laughs> I remember when everyone was talking about this, it's like the theory of observation, and it's something that they did in, uh, in it's a quantum physics, it's real. <laughs> I yeah. just don't know the exact name and everything. But they threw a bunch of electrons at a screen. Yeah. And when they were out of the room not looking at the screen, they splattered everywhere. Yeah. 
And then when they were looking at the screen, the electrons went through the holes yeah. in the screen. Yeah. So it's just called, it's just basically a fact that things are different when they're observed, right? Yeah. Which <clears throat> is something that spiritual communities love, yeah. right? But I think that in the context of art, it was almost like a scientific phenomenon that backs up what art is and what it really is. And I think art and our perception of it functions the same exact way culturally as this experiment. Someone brushing their hair is just body maintenance until it is put in a gallery on a screen in a context in which it has to be seen as art, seen differently. Context is essentially the lens in which to view something. All of life is art, has the potential to be art, but requires a minor shift of awareness to make it so, which can happen individually. For example, you put something up in your house that isn't technically art, but you find beautiful. Like, you know, you find a leaf with a pattern on it, you frame it. Or within a system, gallery, museum, store, social media profile. The artist lives in awareness, which is also a spiritual experience, in tune with the spiritual sentiment of detachment from self. The self is the performer, the performance artist, whose entire life is creative. This may be a fact of every being, and yet, the awareness of this fact is all that needs to occur to actualize it, much like the girl brushing her hair in a gallery, or the electrons being observed. In some ways, I think, an artist's identity is simply, I am practicing awareness, and I am showing you how I did that, of the self, or something else. Yeah. And that's why I feel it's like, especially with contemporary art, like the girl brushing her hair is like you can go into a museum and see someone just presenting a normal <laughs> human reality into this yeah. new lens and then it becomes this profound thing. Yeah, it's like glorifying the mundane. Yeah. Um, which I think we all just need to feel better about existing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something that struck me a while ago was um, Jodorowsky's idea of like, being a poet yes yes and I feel like that's almost more believable for me nowadays where like everyone feels like they're an artist but mm-hmm. I'm like I think everyone could be more of a poet you know okay, that's a good point poetry life is poetry and the way that we perceive things is poetry in of itself mm-hmm. and we all write our own poems because we all have different perceptions of the world around us which mm-hmm. is supposed to be objectively the same for context, I could say that we sort of saw the use of the word poet. So basically, one of the best movies ever, Endless Poetry by Jodorowsky. <laughs> yeah. um, and then it's in Spanish. And throughout the whole uh, film, they use the word poet as kind of a word for artist, and yeah. the way that we would perceive an artist, but yeah. simply just someone who goes through the world, world, like viewing life in this specific way with this awareness, with this very artistic, romantic awareness, yeah. and they would just call them poets. And it was in Chile yeah. who gave us Pablo Neruda mm-hmm. <laughs> and had a whole movement where they would they like love their poets <laughs> at that time. But that was the first time I heard, and I kind of looked into it, and it said that like translationally, <laughs> like in that word, that word means kind of an all-reaching word for like the artistic bohemian person. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And I feel like that's more accessible because because like again we have we're the whole purpose of this episode is approaching the different um ideas of what the definition of artist actually is. Mm-hmm. But like a day to day person that like we want to call everyone artists because um it adds more meaning to life. Mm-hmm. Like I actually think poet is a better label because I actually don't necessarily identify it as an artist, no, mm-hmm. partially because no one has ever called me one outside of myself, other than, like, the people who I don't, like, outside of my circle, like, mm-hmm. I don't, I, but also because I 
think when I think artists, I always think um, painting. Mm-hmm. And so it almost makes it inaccessible because I, if whenever I pick up a fucking paintbrush, nothing mm-hmm. happens. <laughs> nothing good comes of it. And so I think poets are more, it's more of an accessible way for, for us to like access that transcendent mm-hmm. um, ability to look at life, right? Yeah. And there are a lot more people given the opportunity to use language or use perception, do so in a in an artistic way, mm-hmm. in a poetic way, lyrically. Even, I would even say, like, some of the biggest contemporaries of our time, I think, would fit under Poet more. Like, now yeah. hearing you say that, like, I'm even thinking, I was looking at a lot of the work of, like, Tracy Emin, or Tracy Eman, I don't know, um, and her work is very, it's not very form-based, it's mm-hmm. not like I'm going to make this great painting, this great sculpture, it's more like, I have these ideas, I have these words, I'm going to get them out there, how can I do that? Oh, I guess I could use neon or this painting, but it's, like, very this like multimedia but not very concise theory but to me she's a poet of just the presence of an artist like so for example like she when she was like 33 she felt herself um falling out of sync with painting and she was known for painting for so many years Mm -hmm. and so she like locked herself in a gallery for two weeks with you know she's naked everyone could watch her love that for her yeah with her (laughs) paintings and she started by painting um kind of like replicas of people that she liked um like classical painters and soon she created a whole body of work in that gallery and that was her poetically making this huge romantic ritual about her you know uh uniting and uh having a reunion (laughs) with painting and that's a very poetic act you know what i mean yeah and art is really going in that direction where it's so contemporary art everything that's happening now is like this it's very aware of the performance of living which like you say is more poetic than it's more than more poetic than anything. Yeah. More yeah. poetic than artistry. And also artistry implies like a mastery of some form. Exactly, exactly. It's very it's yeah. very elite and inaccessible in many ways. Mm-hmm. And because poet hasn't been commodified mm-hmm. and isn't, you know <laughs> I don't know, it's just It's it, more free form. It's free form and it it's accessible but in a way that still requires a personal interpretation, I think. Mm-hmm. Um because I think just a lot of these words have just become so overused. It's like a song, a good mm-hmm. song that becomes overplayed. because And then it just loses its meaning. And that's, I think, you know, we're digging through this now, trying mm-hmm. to figure out what that is. But, um, yeah, I think the layman that, like, goes through life with, um, you know, a, a romantic perception of things and acts acting with meaning and... In infusing love into things and the mm-hmm. love of life, that to me is more of a poet um, rather mm-hmm. than. I also feel like controversially, I just feel <laughs> because I went to an arts high school and it's something that's there's sort of a lure of. So we've actually started talking about this in the last episode, but like a lure of like success when you put someone into like arts training at a young Mm -hmm. age because you feel like you're going to sort of attain something rather than it almost being healthier to put someone into like a free form like poet Mm -hmm. (laughs) academy (laughs) because there's less of you you just walk out with so many people holding like their broken dreams Mm -hmm. in their hands because they didn't win the the trophy you know they didn't win the 
the drama competition, you know. Also, poetry to me <clears throat> is the glue between every self-expression medium. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, even music, it, it's all poetry. Absolutely. Like, lyrically, yeah. you know, even if it doesn't have words, it's like, I think a lot of the base of a lot of contemporary art and even art, art I make, 100% is always from the poetry space, yeah. from the essence. And, like, yeah. what is poetry? It's It's the, like, manipulation of form to achieve essence, right? Yeah. Instead of you know, logical narrative. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and we call musicians artists, too. <laughs> oh. Which is funny. Yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> <laughs> again, it's just like, there's nothing wrong with being called an artist, but I just think it's become so overused that, because don't you hear, if someone says, I'm an artist nowadays, what do you think? You meet someone at a party. I always think, well, from my immediate perception, I think that they make, like, paintings or, like, that they're a visual artist just because that's the dominance of when I hear the word. Right. Um, But I don't think musicians usually say, I'm an artist. Yeah. They usually say, I make music. (laughs) Yeah, I make music. I'm a musician. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do music. (laughs) I I do draw. Let's look at the definition of artist by Marianne Webster. She's always, let me call her right now. Did you say Marianne? Miriam. <laughs> Actually, I got Oxford on the phone. Miriam's not available. <laughs> a person who produces paintings or drawings as yeah. a profession or hobby. Alternate ones. A person who practices any of the various creative arts, such as a sculptor, novelist, poet, or filmmaker. A person skilled at a particular task or occupation. Wow. Well, that's, you know. Yeah. Like they said, the artistry of <laughs> yeah. It says a surgeon who is an artist with the scalpel, Lol. but it does imply a sense of mastery. <laughs> yeah, it and does. That's the issue. It does. I still don't really care for the title. That's the thing is, I think if you were to stop identifying, you know, randos as artists and gave them more like poets, it would it would just sort of free things up a little bit because the pressure <laughs> is so weird to be an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, it, to me, it, it reminds me of, like, a uh, Halloween costume with, like, a little painter's cap and a brush <laughs> and a little thing. And half a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it's sort of like if you're truly a practicing artist, from the people that I've observed, they put the work first. Like you said, like, mm. you say, I'm a painter. They don't say, I'm an, I am the, it's not, it's not an I, it's not a self. It's mm-hmm. the practice. It's the work that comes first. And then I would say that I then I would feel like go in and out of being an artist because mm-hmm. I have had series that were ongoing and then I have periods when I don't have ongoing series and it's a very poetic lifestyle where it's like I am making work but it's not stuff that I could ever say hey I mastered this aesthetic or this visual experience or anything you know yeah yeah but the poet title is so much better <laughs> so much better it's more truthful yeah let's see the definition of the poet let's see what they say there. It'll just say people who write poems, unless things have evolved. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, amazing. Okay, I love this. So the first, the first one is a person who writes poems. Yeah. But the newer edition is a person possessing special powers of imagination or expression. Yes. See, that's it. Yeah. That really is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And that's, that is so true. And then poets just become kind of individuals that live in a way that reminds us of our ability. Yeah. Like, to me, I think the best poets and artists, to me, are the ones who remind me of my own ability to see the world that way and my own need to express myself, you know? Yeah. 
Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is a magic in in living poetically because you have to like continually reposition yourself mm-hmm. to like view the world in a romantic way or like a soft way or like mm-hmm. um, seeing like the different dynamics. It's it's a, a someone who can really understand um, not influence but um, manipulation nuance. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Nuance. No, absolutely. It's someone who sees the nuance in things. And poetry is nuance. Even physical, yeah. actual, like, written poetry is yeah. just the big gray area. Yeah. So, um, which I think mm-hmm. we just need more of in general, 100% all the time. So, um, but yeah, if we were all to sort of just, like, reorient a little bit with that, like, broad umbrella of mm-hmm. being, rather than, like, because there is sort of a pressure if you're not conforming to... Um, a system or you're not conforming to society or capitalism or whatever, like, to jump on, like, the artist bandwagon a little bit. It's sort of like, if you're not this, then you're that, and mm-hmm. that's an artist. And also, artists have been so subjugated and, like, put at the bottom of the totem pole in terms of society. Mm. Um, like, you can't help but sort of be like, oh, you know, a little bit like, how are you making money? Like, like immediately well, there's a sort of like... Pol- it's so polarized. Exactly. you have the, the starving artist trope and then you have like, the, you know, the yeah million dollar billionaire artist. Right. Who like, you yeah. know... So, and there's also the idea plugs. of being a sellout. You know, it's like, did you, what did you just say? There, there was like that artist, what was his name, that put a huge inflatable butt plug okay. in the middle of a park. I thought you said, and you start selling butt plugs. <laughs> I'm sure there's someone out there that makes artful butt plugs. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, you know, I support you. But, um, but yeah. <laughs> I was offered <laughs> I was offered a butt plug the other night. And I was like, I don't think I know. For, for like, um, for fun or for, like, promotion? No, for, like, like I was actually. Oh, I thought you were, like, influencing. <laughs> I was, like, influencing the butt plug. <laughs> No, I've been offered that too. That's I always tell people the number one things I get are <clears throat> in this order: mm-hmm. vibrators, which have taught me that the industry of um, sex toys mm-hmm. is really just people getting the same kind of formats from like China at conventions, wow. and they go to conventions and they pick their favorite kind of like toy shape and mm-hmm. then like rebrand it like with their aesthetic and everything. Wow. Um, but yeah, like the sex toy industry is just like so saturated. So. That was, it's always sex toys. Weed, I feel like. Weed, and, and then skincare. Mm-hmm. Which, you know. Those are the industries. <laughs> yeah. What All those, those represent? Self-pleasure. Like, self-pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Narcissism. <laughs> <laughs> Escapism, for sure. <clears throat> like um, um, a band-aid over the real. Yeah. Band-aids over the real internal desire. Yeah. Temporary fixes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Surface level. <laughs> Surface level solution. Okay. Um, that being said, I love a new serum. No. Okay, so you said the butt plug and I interrupted the train of thought. Um, I, oh, well, okay. Something that I was think I was getting to is basically, like, artists now, when you said, like, there's two types of artists, there's, like, the, the million dollar and then there's the starving artist. Mm-hmm there's also the ability to sell out as an artist and it's such a weird type tight rope of like well this guy sold out or like i only like kings of leon's first two albums mm-hmm. before they sold out <laughs> you know like yeah. you know and but with a poet you don't sell out there's really 
no way. Yeah, there's no way, actually. <laughs> um, and so I, I think, what are your thoughts on, like, selling out as an artist, like, that whole concept? Okay, the first thing I always think of <clears throat> with that is Marina Abramovich, <coughs> excuse me, was one of the first people who... I saw where she was starting to get, like, photographed. She was, like, had a spread in Vogue or just something very, like, very big, big mainstream energy. Mm-hmm. And they were sending her clothes and she was modeling stuff. And she said, she was like, I was alternative for so many years. I'm mm-hmm. down to be mainstream. I'm down to be in Vogue. Like, yeah. she was like, I love this stuff. And <clears throat> I think, and it just was kind of nice to hear because I think... I don't know. I think that's an important thing to say because it's like, yeah, being alternative. What does it really mean to be alternative, though? Because it, there's implied that there's a, a more truth, but maybe it's just more relatability because yeah. the alternative condition is actually more relatable to more people because most of us are not obviously in vogue or like being dressed in like Versace. Sure, sure, sure. So, yeah, it's almost as if the alternative is the mainstream, um, but it's oh, been sold to us as like it, it actually that is so true oh my god that's the alternative is take. the mainstream but it has been sold to us as alternatives so that we always aspired for bigger and more and we always feel outside of like what is truly like the alternative which is like elitism and like that's true but i then it just hit me that in the art world it is a bit no i'm just taking what you said i like what you said i'm gonna sit with it <laughs> <laughs> well there's a, there's so many different alternative <clears throat> cultures but what's well, a funny thing to say that like Vogue is mainstream when like it's inaccessible. Yeah. <laughs> the mainstream would always be the accessible yeah. mainstream. <laughs> right. Everyone Where can get all in the there. water is coming from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember as a kid I would get Vogue for a few like for like a Vogue. few seasons. Vogue. I <laughs> <laughs> my yodeling career really <laughs> Influenced your poetry. Influenced. Right? Um, but I would like when James went off to a yodeling school back in 2015. It really changed her poetry. I know. Yeah, you thought I was in Chicago with my family. And I was actually like, yodeling. Um, what was I even saying? Oh, I was a kid. I was. I would get like Vogue and put like all the outfits together and be like, "What can I source from my closet?" And like yeah. really try to go with the trends. But I was so young. I was like. I think I was like middle 15. School. Yeah. Middle school, yeah, really was very fashion abundant. Isn't it funny Los that Angeles? Teen Vogue is like so, mm. so important now? And back when we were kids, teen, teen Vogue was like the smaller Vogue that was sort of less than and sort of uncool. Yeah, it felt uncool. It felt really <clears> like teen, but as a teen, you don't really want to be teen. But it was, Teen Vogue was like <clears throat> the people, like it was, like we were into like nylon and stuff, but yeah. it, that was an alternative magazine, technically. Yeah. Well, I guess what? Alternative? Okay, alternative. Oh, here's the thing, though. It's like when you say alternative versus mainstream, when I think of like nylon versus teen vogue. Yes. It's like there is, it is like a counterculture. Sure, sure. And it is the tastemakers that kind of end up making mainstream happen. Yeah. It's like the way that like Kanye and Kim did the whole, or not even Kanye and Kim, I'm thinking more so like Carlo Taguero, I think was one of the first people. And then Kim and Kanye low-key, but they really brought it to the mainstream. It's, like, the concept of wearing, like, head-to-toe nude. Mm -hmm. Like, that was something that, like, only artists were doing to have, like, these kind of very, like, stripped-down minimalist... Yeah. Either dance pieces or fashion moments. Yeah. And now it's everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um... (laughs) <laughs> James just walked away. I'm getting my dog. Oh yeah, Joey's. You can hear her. Hey baby. Here, come on. Um, no, I think that's true. Well, but I think alternative 
it's there are different realms of alternative I think is really what it comes down yeah. to with it like with everything but whenever I think of alternative I think of I don't remember who it was like Kellyanne Conway or something said alternative facts and everyone like lost their shit and they were she was like there are facts and then there are alternative facts mm. <laughs> which is true kind of true yeah there's <laughs> lots of different truths um okay but I will say the sellout thing yeah I mean, it's just a different way of saying I don't understand it as much as I used to. Yeah. And it's like you fall in love with an artist. <sighs> if you fall in love with an artist at a certain time... I mean, I think... Okay, I'm thinking for me, like, Devendra Banhart, for example. I knew His yeah, first, yeah. his first, like, whatever, four to five albums. Yeah. Even his, like, first one. Oh, my God. <laughs> which sounds these. like it was, like, recorded in, like, a... I don't know. What would be the worst place to record? <laughs> like a, it sounds like it was recorded in a cereal box, like, full of crumbs. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> like that's one of my favorite albums even yeah but that's because it hit me at the time it hit me at a certain emotional time that mm. it was so potent that when I listen to those songs they take me to those emotions mm-hmm. and I don't have that as much with the new stuff but the new stuff's really successful and it's the reason why he can still make music is like yeah. there was a certain point where people cared a little bit more um but I'm fully aware that, like, my personal relationship to those few albums is, like, fully infused by my personal emotional context that people now have with the new stuff. Right. Like, someone who's hearing Devendra Banhart for the first time at 16 and is hearing, like, Ape and Pink Marble <laughs> <laughs> and not, you know, Tick Eats the Olives dot dot dot. <laughs> <laughs> um, he really was trippy. <laughs> <laughs> he was, and that other thing, too, is I really resonated to him as a human being yeah because he was like in Topanga being a weirdo yeah and totally. I'm like oh he's right over there I wish I was there you know yeah but that's the thing so it's like I don't think the selling out thing is real I think it's just really personal yeah it's just part of the evolution of expanding your work and evolving and getting more resources um I think Joey's a sellout <laughs> she was all only founder like yeah I know aww she's fluffy I'm um, who do you who comes to mind for you as like a artist that like literally Kings of Leon? Okay, okay. Like, I wasn't even kidding. How about that the album that we used to always listen to that had that's one of their early albums. Knock was it knocked up? Knocked. Okay, that's an early album. Yeah. And what are they like now? Their sound is Use very somebody. different. <laughs> you somebody was the beginning of them quote unquote selling out because um. their first two albums were very stripped down. They mm. were very they were recorded probably self recorded. Um, and I loved that, like, gritty sound that felt like they could be recording in the next room, and I'd walk over and be like, hey, dude, like, that was a great run, and it just felt like they were falling apart at the seams, and then now, (laughs) and now it's really overproduced. I think selling out kind of happens with music when things get overproduced, and too many people, like, get mixed Mm. in with, like, the pure purity of, like, the expression, yeah, because here's the thing. Okay, that's hitting now because I'm thinking about um even with myself, it's like I know that if I do A, B, and C and I make this series, I can like I know in my head the ways that I the formulas I can make to create a series that people will like and will sell out. Like I know yeah, that. Yeah. Maybe that's what it means. It's like yeah. sell out is like doing doing something formulaic. And early work is not like that because even Devendra Banhart like making this weird album and putting every everything in the kitchen sink into it <laughs> and just having a good time and not having a record label, not having a deadline, not having the pressure of it now being your income. And that's right. what's really interesting. Right. It's like when it's not your income, 
it's like your rebellion it's like your escape it's like your it's hopeful it's full of dreams and you're being very honest and it's purely experimental Mm -hmm. and you don't have those facts anymore like i sit here now with these like certain work that people like and ask for and want like prints of and things like that and now i have this thing in my head of like this is what works and this makes money right right um and that's a good skill to have but at the same time you have to kind of fight i think as you get older and have more people telling you what they like and what they want from you to say, okay, but I'm, I still want my poetry. I still want my poetic life where I can experiment and do this thing that might not do anything. People might not like it, you know? Yeah. But that's the thing, too, is Kanye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming back to Kanye, mm-hmm. he kind of has remained an artist. True. Or at least he's tapping into it more now where he makes music for himself. Yeah. You know? He knows he knows how to make a hit. He knows who's to, all the people he can call. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that also just comes from him being incredibly financially stable. Yeah, he's not. There's one of the few people that's truly because you think about artists and you think like, oh, they're set for life. It's like, Mm. no, dude, it takes so much money to like have to keep up a life that is really sustainable once Mm. you reach a certain point and run the teams and whatever you have to do. Maybe Kanye's post sellout. You know, I'm sure that during the time where he was wearing those sunglasses, all of his original fans were like, Kanye sold out, look at him just on the red carpet in neons. Well, when he started dating Kim, I think a lot of people thought he had just sold out. Yeah, Yeah. that was it. Maybe his Um, post sold out. I miss the old Kanye. That was such a great song. I love Mm. that, like, moment. I know, I forget that song, and then it comes up when I revisit um, Life of Pablo. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) So maybe selling out kind of pertains to when the experimental activity of art making or poetizing poeticizing your life um (laughs) becomes intertwined with your resources and safety and survival and maybe even identity more than ever yeah Yeah. you know yeah it's like no no fun in games yeah there's an extra weight to it yeah um because it is a sad thing that i think does happen i mean I don't like the term, but I do think there is a, a change that occurs with art when, like, too many things, too many people start getting in with what you're doing. Do you and think it's because it changes the context? No, not necessarily the, the context where, in which it's being made. Mm. Because I'm thinking of recently I saw people, there was this thread that was like, oh, TikTok ruins every song. Hmm. And I started to think about that because I, for a while I was like, TikTok helps artists so much because, you know, their thing goes viral, but it does turn the song into a meme. Yeah. And I actually saw people talking about it with the song Freaks by Surfgirls, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorite songs, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for a very specific personal reason. Like, it just, like, helped me through a specific time. Yeah. And I think that song was really meaningful for a lot of people, but then it went viral on TikTok. Wow. And I now it's that. just a meme song that annoys people because what it does is it takes the song and it puts it in the context of I'm being played I'm being played for 15 seconds over and over with over all these people's like normal ass jokes or trying to be funny if they're not funny right, and like right. it kind of becomes and it's not the artist's fault yeah at all yeah before TikTok it was commercials like oh my god that song was used in a commercial yeah but it was so much less like getting a song in a commercial was like so mm-hmm. rare and like while it kind of yeah. sucked like the artist made bank that's another thing is artists don't make enough money <laughs> for it to be worth their art being destroyed I don't think or musicians don't make enough money yeah and I also just think 
I like to look at the artists that I like and like including like Devendra Bannard, anyone who Rina Bromovich, anyone who can sell out. Like mm-hmm. I feel like it's so much more fun to look at that as like part of their journey. Right. And part of the understanding of the life of an artist, especially a successful artist that even had the opportunity to sell out. Yeah. I think that's really fascinating. And like I think Kanye's the closest person that has gone through that whole process in every single degree mm-hmm. and now we get to kind of watch him like come into his like old age and like choose what he wants to give us like yeah. it's very odd okay I also just want to say and I you and I love this song um the story of an artist by Daniel Daniel Johnston uh, which best. when it appeared in like a mac yeah so that's what made me think of it but I think we should discuss this song and how funny it is yeah but the story of an artist by Daniel Johnston I just found on accident I think because I knew his other song that famous one and then I heard this one and I would play it in Venice for us, mm-hmm. and it was just weirdly helpful. Yeah. Um, but then it was in, in the past three years or so, two years, it was in a MacBook ad, which like a so big Apple ad. Crazy. And, which is wild. It's not a catchy yeah. song. It's probably the most alternative song ever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was in a MacBook ad where, like, people Wasn't there, like, are... a Kimmy Dawson song in a MacBook ad, or did I make that up? I mean, at this point, yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> Daniel Johnston. Why do you only do that only? Yeah, why do you okay, only wait, do then that only? There's one part which I think is the, the c- conclusion of the song, uh-huh. where he's like kind of honors the artist. Like it starts yeah. with the artist as the sad guy, and then yeah. he's kind of critical of the TV watchers, but... Artist walks among the flowers, appreciating the sun. He does this all his waking hours. But is it really so wrong? <laughs> okay, then one more part, which is the end, where he says... Listen up and I'll tell a story. This is the conclusion, you guys. This is at the end. About an artist growing old. Some would try for fame and glory. Others just like to watch the world. Chills a little bit every time. (laughs) Others want to watch the world. Yeah, I mean that's really relevant to this. 
He... Did he pass away? He did recently. Yeah. Wow. September 11th, 2019. Oh my god. It was like just yesterday that we were talking about that. <laughs> Rest in peace. Um... Which I never even say, but I mean so much for him. Um, Wait, you don't mean rest in paradise? Oh, okay. <laughs> kidding. Isn't it funny when people have their little variations? Yeah. Especially in high school, like, people start dying. It would be like, rest in paradise, rest in power. Rest in power. Yeah. Which I'm like, no, like, who want power is a lot of work. <laughs> rest in... Pieces. <laughs> rest in peanut butter. Oh, rest in pieces when you're mad at someone, right? People say that. Rest in pieces? <laughs> yes, I didn't make that up. Like, I've never heard that. I feel like I have. I'm trying to figure out where. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that you are right. We, To be honest, we only had one person die at my school, so. We had a lot. Yeah, you had a lot Yeah, more. we had a lot of wealthy kids with fast and cars. And the so. only person who died was from your school, had transferred over from your school. <laughs> Isn't that trippy? Yeah, my school was very, you know, it's weird because a lot of the deaths were because of, were wealthy kids. Yeah. It was wealthy kids that just had too much, like, access to, um, fast cars and drugs, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's really what it was. Yeah. Um. R.I.P.? Um, yeah, Dan Johnson. So, he, he goes there. He says, yeah. he kind of brings in, like, the thing I love about that song is that it's very dimensional, and that reminds me of something I wanted to talk about but didn't even write down, which is that the best art is, like, dimensional, mm-hmm. and, like, this song is dimensional. I always say that Taylor Swift is even the master of dimension, because <laughs> in her song, she'll be like, this is how I feel, and then she's like, what if this is how they feel, and she's like, this is how I feel tomorrow, and this is how I feel yesterday. Like, yeah. she makes, dim- she makes time in her songs, and he even did it, too, where he's, like, he brings the criticism of the people. He criticizes them back, and then we, we see these people watching TV, and then he talks about him in the grass, and now he's in the grass, and he's starting to feel better about his artistry, yeah. right? And then he says, some will go for fame and glory, some just want to watch the world, and then we kind of have this whole spectrum of, like, dimension in the song, yeah. of all these people we're thinking about. Yeah. It's a great song. It's so <laughs> great. It's so great. I love it so much. I love, like, just the critical things that people say and how silly they sound. <laughs> When they're not being said, it's like, a humorous betrayal. song, yeah. Yeah, like it's it, it just humorous. makes everything so light and nice. Um, but yeah, I truly cried the first time you played it for me, and I still like mm-hmm. tear up sometimes because it it affirms just I don't know the simplicity of being an artist. But even then, like you know, walks among the flowers, like all mm-hmm. of that. It seems that's like a poet such a poet you know and it's like I think the song what I love about it too is that it's it's humorous and dramatic because like that is how it feels yes. like when you're in a moment of like art making and caring about that identity or even just practicing that lifestyle like it is that fucking dramatic yeah yeah <laughs> um but it's also hilarious and you have to have a sense of humor about the fact that you're like came to earth as this being yeah <laughs> that's like it matters right exactly <laughs> it matters all of this yeah some just want to watch the world yeah, I always say, like, to watch the world is, is like, not not a crime. Like, I, I think one of the biggest things people ask me on Sideswind is, like, how do I express myself more and how do I, like, you know... And I'm like, are you sure you want to? You know, yeah. it's okay to be an observer. Yeah. Some just want to watch the world. Okay, how do you feel about the line, some for, will try for fame and glory, others aren't so bold? Well, I do think it's very daring to do that. Like, mm-hmm. it's... Because fame isn't easy... I don't think in many ways it is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you have to really have a certain head on your shoulders to like want to do that. Yeah. Um, and because you can make incredible work and have a small like sphere of influence mm. and 
have a community of people that respect whatever you put out and that's not fame but that's like just as important I would Mm. say and just as like um valid but if you really 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 want just like the whole fucking world to (laughs) know your name that's a whole other vibe and it does you do have to be bold because you have to have a degree of self-importance and a Mm. degree of importance in your work um that I don't I don't I don't really personally identify with so I, I can't say that I fully understand it to be honest I would okay I would disagree with the self-importance thing I feel like the only way to give up your work but I don't know if that's the same as trying for fame and glory but to share your work trying for fame and glory is yeah, very different than very sharing different. your work and letting that carry you mm-hmm. to whatever level that's true that's true that's different because that's not even necessarily an artist an artist again like I coming back to a professional artist mm-hmm. their work comes first yeah um they don't paint something and think this is going to take me to the top necessarily yeah, they're true, like true, true. i'm interested in conveying this emotion mm-hmm. i'm interested in telling the story um and a lot of people now are liking it there's there's momentum and then that like i'm not saying that someone can be have fame and glory but the idea of trying the like Kanye. verb to try yeah <laughs> coming back to Kanye very open about his <laughs> desire quest for, fame. for fame and glory yeah yeah I guess I don't understand the desire for fame to me it's I feel like it's a side effect of mm. appealing to a lot of people yeah but some people really want that at any cost right because they just maybe that's and that's a degree of self-importance true because they believe they're important enough for people to care about them or is it a need for connection that's ego-validated? <laughs> yeah, but either of those things are self-importance. Yeah. Like, because you want to be connected because you think you're important enough to be connected. And you more so just want And you are like, why am I not connected to these people? Why am I not, like... Yeah, you yeah. Know? And you want to reap all the benefits of connection without the actual circuits. Yeah. Like, you kind of just want to, like, be like, I'm so faint. Like, yeah, it's true. It's very true. What a great song. It's so great. Um, I do feel, so I wrote this down, and I'm starting to be like, well, maybe that's the definition of a poetic lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, When I think of artists, I think of them as people who magnify things so we can look at every part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, magnify the mundane even. And then artists are like scientists for non-scientific phenomena. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's scientists studying the physical world, and there's poets and artists all over the world who are studying emotion and culture yeah. and response in every single way. I mean, there's probably art being made about everything. Right, absolutely. You know, and that's so helpful. <laughs> yeah. Something that I just was sort of thinking about that you and I have that are two things that are different. Mm-hmm. things that are different about us um, is I grew up in a family of people who were artists professionally in many ways and non-professionally and that was such a like part of my world that it wasn't like even a question of like how I would express myself or mm. if I would express myself um, it was just when and how and as a result like I see artists as a very like natural phenomenon in the world mm-hmm. Um but you didn't, like, your family is not necessarily in any way... Not in any way. They don't yeah. even care to, like, make the house yeah. look a certain way. Yeah. Like, they're so... Like, it's not even that they don't make stuff or, like, care about 
art. It's like they literally don't even like care about like colors. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my mom just got orange pillows to brighten up the living room, but like, <laughs> um, <laughs> mattress on the floor, uh, couch right now. But uh, that's yeah, probably the never... most artistic thing that has happened, actually. Yeah, she has her little moments. But yeah, they definitely don't have any kind of eye for that and don't really seem to care really yeah belong yeah because I was talking to a friend recently and they were feeling very out of place like and feeling like if they weren't working on something they weren't really sure what they were doing Mm. and I finally said like I realized I had this like moment where I was like this person didn't grow up in a um artistic household their Mm. parents are both like professionals that uh have succeeded you know, in their, like, doctory sort of professions. <laughs> the doctory people. And, yeah, and, like, <laughs> I said, look, like, luckily his parents were supportive of that, but it doesn't have an example of what that actually means to be an artist and someone who actually is successful in their own sphere and, like, actually putting in so much time to do something. Mm-hmm. And I have really, like, it was a really interesting moment where I was like, what you're doing is valid, and the lifestyle that you have is valid and the fact that you feel like your art is so incredibly important and a part of your life and a part of your identity it's because you've put so much time into creating it and that's Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that but it's interesting because I think about my friend and then I think about you and you've you have at least from my perspective never had a problem with being an artist Mm -hmm. and I wonder where you've gotten that for people for the listeners at home (laughs) doctory parents who don't care about the colors of pillows like you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. um was there ever a moment where where you were like this is a valid lifestyle or this is a valid way to like view the world well I think the first time that it felt valid and grounded was when I was 14 I went to the Hammer Museum for the first time Mm -hmm. and just fell in love with it but I was thinking like the origin of that is I think it was from always feeling like this sounds so cliche but like different because of my parents mm-hmm. because I went to like a very like school or whatever and everyone was American and their parents were very doctory as mm-hmm. you said like everyone was like professionals yeah and then I had these like you know like in LA these these you know parents that were like foreign and my parents could understand what people could understand what they're saying and like you know yeah and I was like maybe that's where it started and how it manifests in a city like LA is like what do people who feel different do is like gravitate towards making their own reality yeah or you know or I think maybe for a long time I felt like the only interesting thing about me was the different way of seeing the world Mm -hmm. because of my parents Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is but I think I can say tangibly like I on the timeline is like um yeah being 14 going to the Hammer Museum which was free for people under 18 yeah and seeing just this stuff on the walls that was so strange and like not traditional and like I could say one of the first contemporary art pieces that I saw was like a huge installation of a fake like lake in the corner of a gallery Mm -hmm. with a blow-up doll inside it Uh and then a video of the artist reviving a blow-up doll in like a real river somewhere else yeah (laughs) and I was like fantastic I just don't even I I wish I could go into my brain at the time and be like how did I feel but I was just so ignited and I was like this is how I feel like I really feel that there is something incredible in like every moment I really think 
I think it was really just a zest for life and experience. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Because I'm thinking even being a teenager and, like, working so hard to just, like, be outside and, like, experience new things. And, like, I'm just obsessed with experience and not experimenting. Into, yeah, and then that turns yeah. into, like, okay, if I'm not experimenting, like, you know, sexually or romantically or, you know, by tr- trying to get around the city by bus as much as I can, it's in your own head, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Also being deeply affected by music, I think, really fuels that. Yeah. You know? Inspired by artists like Devendra Van Hart. Because that's the thing, yeah. is a lot of all artists, like even Coke Rosier, Devendra Van Hart, who I loved so much, they make music and they always also made art. Like they were right. poets in every right. way. It was like they had yeah. art, but then they had poetry, but then they had these drawings. And then yeah. you kind of would get wrapped up in their vibe, and I think that's what it really was. Yeah, yeah, you definitely had influences from an early age that shaped you and, like, yeah, gave like, I'm you exactly that space. Like those yeah, people. yeah, yeah. yeah. Devendra Van Hart and Coke Rosie, early works. Yeah. <laughs> 2006 to 2008, that's where you could find my seed. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And then for you, but it's funny because for you, it's like, yeah, you had the artistic parents... And you always, to me, were naturally an artist. Like, you would sort of just produce things that were fun, even just in your, like, own sketches and, like, lifestyle. But I feel like you didn't... You weren't fully aware of that, maybe, in, like, a tangible way until later? No, not at all. I mean, I think, again, um... I... My... Yeah, it was just a very creative household and creative vibe. And, like, my great-grandmother had, like, a legacy of, like, someone who could produce art and, like, make a lifestyle around it. Uh, but yeah, I think only when we got to Venice and like, I remember watching an FKA Twigs video. Um, I don't know. I think it was maybe, um, I can't remember which one, but if it's like all, it's like close up on her face and maybe it's glass and Patron. And I remember being like, I could make that video. I can't make that video, but like I can make something like it. And I remember being really ignited by that one specific video. Mm -hmm. Um, just because Venice was such a portal, and I think the 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 type of work that I make that could anywhere be near like art that has been sustaining is installation work and video pieces, and that's still something that I love doing and like has sustained. And I think um, right before the pandemic, there were a series of like community art shows that I was in, and it was like okay, like this is something that. I don't really have the tools to navigate this as an industry, but I do love the, mm-hmm. um, love the, love it. And I, because I loved, uh, love doing things that are so minute that create mm-hmm. something bigger because I'm so able to be really detail oriented and like the neuroses that like shows me all of the little tiny crumbs on the counter can also be like used for good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, um, and so something like that, I think, when I had a couple, like, some people being like, oh, this is, like, really interesting that you can put all this time and energy into it, I was like, oh, okay, this is something that I didn't really recognize that I had within me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I think the videos, like, came from a place of wanting to do music videos and then realizing that, like, just creating videos was so therapeutic because I grew up with, like, a camera that I had, um, that my dad gave me when I was, like, 14, Mm -hmm. and I carried it all around. It was a DSLR camera, um, and it was, like, my best friend, and it was the thing that, like, helped me process a lot of things, and so that was, like, 
a form of documentation that could be perceived as like artistic but again at the time I was just sort of like I take these photos because like it makes me feel good and like seen by something you know um but that definitely translates into life now as like someone who loves having a camera and like loves recording things and Mm -hmm. um but yeah I don't know it's it's less of a concrete thing for me because unfortunately like or fortunately I've always wanted to figure out how to do something that could be sustainable financially Mm -hmm. and you know I don't really understand the whole like art world is so confusing and like you have to enjoy it feels inaccessible like you have to enjoy the which a lot of people complain about is like oh the art world's like annoying Mm -hmm. and I mean there are some like very like social like political aspects Mm -hmm. and I think the only way to enjoy it is like from even like even like making that art too yeah like being like oh I could you know talk to someone here that'll teach me something or yeah I don't know because at the end of the day it's like no matter how industry someone is or how businessy they are it's like deep down it all started with the need to make yeah right? yeah absolutely and I think that's all valid mm-hmm. um who said that, <laughs> Andy, that Warhol, <laughs> well, Andy Warhol well Andy Warhol I love when you say that that should be your catchphrase Andy Warhol said like like business is the best kind of art he said that that's mm-hmm. a quote of his and then another quote he said which is so funny because I didn't understand it this is very interesting when my sister was uh when we were like middle school high school her friend who had very like cool like artist parents yeah and her parents were just these cool professors they had like great art in their house they were into like funky bands already she gave my sister like a gift from like the MoMA which was this like (laughs) print of Andy Warhol with a quote Mm -hmm. and the quote was art is what you can get away with Mm. and I never understood it as a kid in my room I was like that is the shittiest quote ever what is he (laughs) even saying like why is it framed? Why is, you know what I mean? Yeah. And now that I'm an adult, I completely understand Yeah, that. yeah, that is fantastic. And I think choosing to live life as a poet mm-hmm. or artist, but I'm leaning more like you now in the poet direction, it's kind of a claim to a lifestyle that, like, beyond the work you make is, like, I want to get away yeah. with myself. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get away with being myself. Yeah. Which I think we all want at some extent, and it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like art is what you can get away with. It's like you can say it's like when I think of that I immediately think of like you know you go to a fancy dinner with an artist and they can show up in like like a, a sweatsuit sure. and like Crocs yeah with their hair unwashed. Yeah. It's and like, everyone's well, like oh they're just an guy. artist. Yeah. And in a place like Los Angeles it's almost more dignified than getting dressed up in like heels and yes. like a tube dress <laughs> in many ways. Like yeah. there's certain restaurants you go to and you know who's with it and who's not by how dressed down they are mm-hmm. with you know <laughs> wabi-sabi type aesthetic sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah art is what you can get away with what does that mean to you bro yeah I, because I think like if you live as an art artist or a poet it's a degree of freedom because it is it because I, I think back to times like you know Shakespeare had like patrons and mm-hmm. it was a dignified thing like the queen would come to his his performances mm-hmm. and while it was for the masses there was also literally a seat for the queen and mm-hmm. it's sort of a, a leveling of the playing field and we don't really it's just it feels now that art has been pushed aside and put in like a subcategory of existence 
mm-hmm. and it feel and we've actually talked about this like how art has been made to feel um unimportant or frivolous right Mm -hmm. and it is absolutely 100% not in any way because without art we wouldn't have anything because it is the like use of imagination which is how we got any of the buildings that we have any of the technology that we use it's all connected um in my opinion but there was a poll I'm gonna say really quickly there was an actual factual poll can't tell you where it was but it was like a publication posted it was real I remember reposting it um and someone said it was like who likes art and it was like 95% of people surveyed said yes mm-hmm. and then they said who likes artists and it was like 51% said mm-hmm. yes and I think that's exactly that yeah it's yeah. like art is all around us we appreciate the art but then we hate artists yeah <laughs> yeah exactly but that's because like in today's world the artist is like actually working against you know the industrial powers in many ways mm-hmm. and so like we're taught to, like, think that artists are just sort of, like, a drain on <laughs> on society. Um, I don't even know where I was fucking going with this, but, like, art... What was the question you asked me? Is art what you oh, get away art, with? Yeah, how do you feel about that? Yeah, so, yeah, it's like, yeah, art be, nowadays it is that, but it didn't mm-hmm. used to be. It didn't have to be that way, I don't think, before. But now it's, like, art is getting away with, serv- like, surviving or thriving outside of a conventional... Um, structure, which I think is a good thing. Absolutely, yeah. no, absolutely, I'm for it. And it's like, it's like how I think about like influencers versus celebrities. It's like mm-hmm. we're in a time now where we have access to more people. Yeah. And there was a time where there was like five celebrities that you would see. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or like five main big actors or whatever. And then now we have all of these kind of lower level people who are like visible, and not at that high standard, but they still have fans that look at them the same way as someone would look at you know Jennifer the celebrity. Aniston. Yeah, who's yeah. the only access there, but then you get someone more custom to you and, like, where you are at in life. Like, there's not a left, lot to relate to Angelina Jolie, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> there's a lot to, you know, relate to when you look at, at Alejandro Smith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I feel the same way with art, too, where it was, like, well, we used to only see, like, a very, very small, even less than celebrities, like, a very small kind of handful of artists at different levels of their career, whether it was, like, gallery or museums. Yeah. And now we kind of get to see people coming into their own in their early phases... And it does feel like, oh, there's all these people getting away with this lifestyle where they're doing whatever they want. Right, right. But at the end of the day, they are taking part in a conversation that influences some of the biggest <laughs> projects, yeah. you know? Yeah. That end up changing the world. And I feel like there's all these, like, little ants, you know? And then there's, like, I don't know, everyone's, like, working and, like, making this buzz and the ideas are, like, floating in this ethereal way. And then we do get culture and we get the future. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I think committing to being an artist is the best thing that anyone can do or a poet committing to being a poet <laughs> is the best thing anyone can do in their early 20s when yeah. it feels hopeful yeah because a lot of people fall off yes yeah yeah I think um as an early like being being in your early 20s is all about experimentation mm-hmm. and that's exactly what a poet does but doing it with like a an eye for the playfulness or like mm-hmm. the beauty um because you can get kind of stuck in like a doom cycle of like well this didn't work and then what's going to work next time if this didn't work but yeah. like a poet doesn't do that like a poet like embraces failure as like an opportunity for mm-hmm. learning and growth i also want to say like for you and i coming from a place where there was nothing to lose yeah was really helpful i was just thinking about that too in, the, in terms of like 
this like sellout or having money it's like I know a lot of people I mean it's it exists in both realms where I know a lot of kids with like really wealthy parents and they're doing so well in the art world you know because Mm -hmm. they had everything they needed yeah and then there's people who had nothing to lose um who get into it and they don't really worry about I don't know it's like a different there's like yeah you have nothing to lose there's it's no like name I was already, on the table yeah, yeah like it's like I was already on food stamps so yeah 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 <laughs> I don't know well there's also the the flip side of that where like I know people who come from like money or legacy families and feel like frozen by mm-hmm. that because it's like, like they'll what? never be taken seriously yeah or like they'll like never Scott Disick <laughs> see yeah <laughs> Scott Disick with his talentless brand oh dear god did you see how he messaged Courtney? Courtney's ex? Yes. Okay, that was crazy. If you guys didn't catch this, I don't know why it wasn't a bigger story. <laughs> but Scott Disick messaged Courtney's other ex, who was like Yousef or something. He yeah. was like this like hot Younger foreign guy. guy. <laughs> and he messaged him and he was like, is this girl crazy? Question mark, question mark. In the middle of Italy. And like forward a photo of like Travis and Courtney making out on like a paddleboard or something. Yeah. Probably not a paddleboard, probably like it a jet a, ski. It was a... Like a gondola, I thought. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, or maybe I'm wrong. But just kind of a, a nice sport. moment of, like, you know, the exes trying to understand their... Yeah. What they did wrong. And then the ex was like, I'm not your bro, and as long as she's happy. People used to compare me to Courtney, and I was like, I don't get it. And then now that she's with Travis, I'm like, I do that. Like, okay, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> like, the way she's acting with him, I'm like, yeah, that's the only love I want. Yeah. <laughs> They're all over each other. And it I have is a history very of sweet. skinny drummers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like sketchy skinny people. Yeah. <laughs> Today I was driving on the freeway and there was a a white little SUV, like a Hyundai SUV, mm-hmm. and it had tons of bumper stickers like vegetarian and like um, I love Krishna, <laughs> like all these crazy. <laughs> and I sort of sort of got close to the driver. I expected to just see like a hippie girl, and it was a bald dude with like a sacred geometry tattooed on his head. <laughs> <laughs> And he just, like, looks so out of it. And That's <laughs> really funny. Really the unexpected. Sacred geometry. I feel like it's one of those things that's, like, really dignified and it, like, doesn't get to enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, doesn't get to enjoy, it, enjoy its own dignity because it's context. It's yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is rabid. actually pretty sick. Fractals, dude. Um, Fractals. So we were originally going to put interviews at the end of this episode. Well, you know what we could do is we could put a couple interviews at the end of this episode and then get more interviews for the next one. Yeah. I mean, is it is there an artist part two? Artist episode part two? Because I have well, two fun interviews. I have one interview from my friend Danny who makes work out of neon, which is sick because she also has to bend the neon and yeah it's and very skill yeah, it's very like yeah. sciencey but then also and i interviewed her actually at a party and we're both really drunk but it came out really good <laughs> like we sound cohesive um but we were at like a, dr- a, da- a, a dance party we were at a dinner party that dance, turned into dance a revolution <laughs> that turned into a dance party and before i left i like took her in a room and i was like quick and then my other one is actually with spacex anon yeah our recurring character yeah we actually said that together i was like oh i because i interviewed him and i was like oh you're gonna be like a like a cameo in the sitcom yeah 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 whatever um so those are good answers i think they're good one is eight minutes one's like three cool should we just put those in and then yeah we'll do drop another them. interview episode yeah cool i really love interviewing people i knew that though because we used to do one yeah. of james and i's first art projects together was a video called 
void room yeah. <laughs> and we interviewed uh, people about the void and there was a set of questions um, it was really fun but it it's was just on it's the such a good it's such a good time yeah because then the, the person feels like really excited like how often do you get in you know never like you, know, <laughs> never. you never have something like hey just tell me how you feel about clouds yeah. like yeah i want to do more of that i think that's a great medium any last words on the part one part one yeah. artist or poet <laughs> yes truly. that's really the theme like yeah. i what i love about these episodes is stuff happens that changes my life <laughs> <laughs> so the poetry thing yeah i don't have any last words um at no, this could, time we could get the last words of endless poetry and so that translates to every path is my path opening my heart i hear the woes of the world mm. and that's the ending of a huge movie just about being a poet literally by yeah. a 90 year old man who was a poet his whole life Endless Poetry by Jodorowsky. Maybe it's just opening your heart. <laughs> yeah. Being an artist or poet. Yeah. You have to, to be able to feel all the things that, like, we're not supposed to. Tea. Yeah. Alright, guys. Until next time. Oh, wait. Should we put the interviews in here? Oh, yeah. Okay, there will be a couple interviews in here about what it means to be an artist from some friends of the pod. Right. Love you guys. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, so I'm here with Danny Bonet, who makes neon artwork, which is very complex because it's science mixed with art, you know what I mean? Because you have to get the neon components, but then you also have to have the design components. So I'm asking Danny today, what do you consider an artist when you think someone says, I'm an artist, or what does being an artist mean to you? What do you think that title means? In my opinion, the most simplest breakdown of it is time to represent emotions. So I feel like you can dedicate time in any, literally any medium, and as long as you're representing it in some sort of emotion and purpose, then you're an artist. And that's really what makes it like beautiful to live, because you could walk around without purpose, but when you have a guidance of emotions and of expression of emotions, you feel like you're not alone, and that's the beauty of art, in my opinion. So would you say that to observe time <laughs> through the medium of emotions is to achieve oneness? To, uh, wow. Because <laughs> that's what I yeah. hear. <laughs> may, I, may I ask you, what is what is this oneness? I need a little bit more context on that. Well, you said you don't feel alone. When you achieve oh, that I state, see. you don't feel alone. To me, that's the oneness. Yeah, to me, the oneness, the oneness is not feeling alone. Yeah, the it's the understanding of the human condition. Yeah, the human condition and expressing it in its most beautiful state, or trying to. Trying to. Which is, like, the, I think, the goal of any artist, but, yeah. I mean, it's something that I think is very difficult to achieve. I love that because I feel like every artist tries to, right? There's no yeah. conclusion. There's Maybe no conclusion. There's there never the will time. be. Yeah, there's just yeah. the attempt. <laughs> like, all humans, right? Like, everything we do is fleeting because, at the end, we all die, so, like, yeah. that's, that's the, like, end. <laughs> result for everybody so like nobody's ever gonna s escape that we're just True. gonna try to express and cope with it you know an attempt yeah <laughs> okay i love that thank you danny <laughs> all right what does it mean to be an artist to you um to me i don't know i think it i have like a unfortunate like capitalist skewed view of it where it somehow involves like 
that being like what you lead with and how you present yourself and almost like what you do for a living or like what you want to do for a living the identity of an artist is what you lead with you mean yeah and like you like make art like actively mm-hmm. is what comes to mind when i think of artist so you think of artists as creating a product essentially yeah unfortunately i mean i feel like that's what i f- it is but i also feel like so many more people can be artistic mm-hmm. than just that i don't know um i mean that is a fact i think regardless of if an artist is making something and attaching meaning to it or not like in the end it is always like a finished product so that is true but do you feel like there is a distinction like do you ever let's say go to observe an artist and say oh this one is more on the product (laughs) and this one is more on the like emotional side there's definitely art that is product first Mm -hmm. art potentially second you know Mm -hmm potentially just it's just a product and do you have a preference but i mean product, i mean there's like also the inverse where like you get some products and like somebody was like working in some company mm-hmm. and they're like this is my chance to exact some amount of creativity that i wanted to mm-hmm. and they like lean into it and i don't know because like i think that's the thing that lots of people experience with work is like you try and slip in things where when the opportunity presents itself to be a little creative, like you kind of jump at it and it's kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like things that aren't like quote unquote art, but are, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then last question, if art mainly functions as a product, what is that product's function to you? Hmm. I mean, there's the, the product first art and then there's the art that sort of, functions as a product because it's somebody who's like just decided that they're gonna like kind of put more into producing art than other people um and so it's not necessarily not to like add that like diminutive aspect of oh like it's commercial like some people are just like they've it's like that's what they've chosen to like do with most of their time like high production cost not even necessarily but just like they're making art a lot and like Mm -hmm trying to like they're actually going through the process of like showing it or presenting it and not Mm -hmm. like necessarily keeping it secret Mm because i feel like lots of people are like secret artists absolutely but then a quote like a capital a artist is somebody who is like trying to always work to like get it out there Mm -hmm. and the the value or like the product associated with that is um you could say like to make people think but i don't know i feel like lots of artists to me like lots of art is just like to make you uh i'm not like big on art that like is like trying to make a statement necessarily um so it's more just like this is nice (laughs) like it's just like to make you feel like you are um sharing like a daydream with somebody Mm -hmm. Like, you have some image in your head, and if you're, like, producing art, you're trying to kind of put that out Mm -hmm. so that other people can, like, understand what you're thinking about. Yeah, okay, sharing a daydream. I really, really love that. Yeah. I will also say that my first contemporary art professor when I was in community college said that the definition of an artist is 
someone who makes stuff but then also shares it <clears throat> and just like you said so good stuff that brought me back to that i forgot she said that <laughs> she's like there's practicing artists who make stuff and then share it and then there's like you said like secret artists who are just like at home like drawing and everything and they feel that feeling but they're not like creating like a conversation or like a further yeah. connection from it because like i like to draw and make uh, stuff too um but i don't necessarily like associate with an artist because like i've it's almost like a <laughs> like a respect thing like i'm not taking the risk of like trying to to do that and like make that my my um my income uh-huh. but i'm also not doing it like as a not income i'm not like putting effort into like curating something cohesive that other people can see uh-huh. and i'm not doing anything any of this consistently so like i don't feel like i it's like almost like a title to claim uh-huh. rather than like a thing you do so when you make art do you feel like you're making a product or do you feel differently most of the time I'm just like, there's no, there's not like an end image in, <laughs> in sight. It's just like a, it's like a vague idea and like just like some meandering stuff that like after like a few pages turned like some, some thread of concept emerges and then you kind of follow that. And so it's more just like, it's like therapeutic to just, to do the, the act of doing it. And then sometimes, yeah, you get, like, an image that's, like, interesting or, like, fascinating or pretty or funny. And, like, those are the things that, like, I then try and put out there. Like, that one on the wall I really like. (laughs) We keep looking at it. Like, imagine, like, it's a beautiful drawing. Yeah. And then imagine if it was humongous. Yeah. That's one of those drawings. That would be fine if it was big. Yeah. Like, I think. But, like, those people, like are meant to look silly yeah like those people like kind of like it's just like putting them in like aggressively dramatic poses to kind of like branch away from just like the like standing yeah because i don't i'm not there's no details or features so it's just like it all it is is like the movement and the weird eccentricities of the shape that like are exaggerated that are somehow humorous yeah which makes it art because it goes beyond just (laughs) the form really just like something it's like a motif from like not taking notes in like high school. Yeah, totally. Like that's <laughs> and this evolved to that, and it's like I want to do this in like slightly more uh, cleaned up way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then for context, we're looking at a drawing that piece of paper. he did that's hung up that has these like human figures that are like outlines, but they look like they're like doing positions that like they're that aren't. Like any, like they're not things that you can define. Like they're not dance. Like I wouldn't say those are dance moves. I wouldn't say they're yoga moves. <clears throat> you know what I mean? But that's what makes it so great because I feel like it makes me think about like the human condition in the sense of like the ridiculousness of even like moves body expression at all. You did in, per- in person, you would do like in front of somebody to try and make them laugh. Yeah, that's true. Like if you did any of those moves, yeah, I'd, I'd be in stitches. <laughs> I'll remember that. So this maybe the function of this art is for you to tell people how to make you laugh. That's what we've gotten to. Yeah, <laughs> you have it up in your house. You're very like very much a conversation with me and my own humor. I guess it's like I see it and I laugh. Good. 
I thought about it and I laughed, so I put it down and it makes me laugh. And I, I hope, I guess, maybe other people find it funny. But it. it's it also in my room and not out there in the world. Yeah, like asking to be understood. Love it. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. That was really fun. <laughs> Hi. Also, if you are still here, um, I just wanted to let you know that there are a few copies left of the guide that I created a guide to self guided meditation. I will put the link in the podcast notes, but you, dear listener, are welcome to get one before they're gone. Okay, thanks.